1: Hello, and welcome to another live edition of What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley. With me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He's is a traditional Catholic priest of the Society of St. Pius V, and he also serves as the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you tonight?
0: Very fine, Tom. Thank you. And yourself? Great.
1: Great it's to be back. Nice to see you.
0: Yes. I'm going to be getting some of my voice back. Good. Much sure to everyone's dis- dismay, I suppose. <laughs> Good and it's to good
1: you. to see him. Yep, you too. Uh, sure. Father, any yeah. uh, prayer requests to begin the program tonight? Usually?
0: Well, we do. Uh, just before the program began, I, I got word that uh, Mr. Joseph Percher fell and uh, has a cerebral hematoma. So, please, that's uh, a bra- brain bleed, I guess, essentially. So, please uh, pray for him. Joe, he's in the hospital for observation. He's been through a tough time. you know. And mm-hmm. Also, uh, this is uh, Donna King, who's uh, quite ill. And our dear little friend, uh, Blaze. He's our prayers, as well as, uh, well, actually his siblings, too. Uh, So please uh, keep all of these dear people in your prayers. There are many, many more. In fact, all of those on the Immaculate Heart of Mary prayer list. You just would remember that every day. And our Lord knows who, the Blessed Mother knows who's on that list. She keeps keeps them all in her heart. So if you pray for all of those in the Immaculate Heart of Mary, she'll take care of them Mm -hmm. as only she can. All
1: right. Thank you father uh several things that we wanted to discuss tonight several uh current events none of them uh particularly um delightful <laughs> but um this first one father um had a, a lot of comments a lot of uh, requests to, to talk about this um father frank pavone um very well-known uh, pro-life priest uh, the director of the the priest for life national director this organization he um very very prominent uh, for his pro-life work and uh, he has apparently been dismissed from the the priesthood laicized by uh by uh, francis and the nova sordo church um i guess the catholic news agency was the the first to report on this they said that a uh, december 13th letter to all bishops in america sent from the pope's representative in america the papal nuncio archbishop christophe pierre Says that Pavone was laicized for quote blasphemous communications on social media, and persistent disobedience of the lawful instructions of his diocesan bishop. Uh, this has, I think, taken many conservative or, or pro-life uh, Novus Ordo Catholics by surprise. I think Father Pavone himself was even very <laughs> surprised by this. He said that uh, he, um, when when this uh, Catholic news agency was the um, when they reached out to him for for comment, he said that. That was the first he had heard, he had heard of this. Um, but what, what's, your, uh, what's your response to this, Father? What are your thoughts on, on hearing about Father Pavone being being laicized by the Novus Ordo Church?
0: Well, Father Pavone's reaction was a direct variance to what the Apostolic Nuncio of the New Order said in a letter to the American Novus Earl bishops about Father Pavone being laicized. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, I'll read you a section of that letter. Uh, the the, uh, the fact that Father Pavone was laicized is not surprising. It's actually surprising that they waited so long. I'm sure he's been a thorn in their side all this time. Uh, you know, Father Pavone was ordained according to the new order rite of ordination in 1988. The new rite of ordination has been in effect since 1968, so 20 years. Had elapsed, and unfortunately, uh, you know, th- th- a, it is very dubious. It is it's very dubious because of the changes they made in the rite. All of the changes they made were against the Catholic understanding of the priesthood, uh, to either remove a direct reference to Catholic belief in the priesthood, or to make it ambiguous. You know, so um, the new rite of ordination really is questionable. Uh, so, you know, Father Pavone, I, I believe he has the faith. It's just a shame that he's uh, tied up with the Novus Ordo to begin with, because he doesn't belong with it. The Novus Ordo does not stand for what he believes. I, I'm quite sure. Uh, although, you know, he—I uh, understand—he had a uh, an aborted child's body on the. Well, you can't even call it an altar; it's a table, right? Uh, when he was saying a liturgy about the New Mass, because with the traditional Mass, you'd never have that, right? Um, And, uh, of course, that's an aberration, no doubt, but, I mean, again, he was showing the outrage that this child was being put to death. I had heard, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but that Father Pavone thought that all such aborted children could be considered martyrs and would then go to heaven. But then, again, I mean, you have the the Novus Edo Church, which under i think was it was it benedict who um was it john paul ii who made william levada right former archbishop of portland uh, uh cardinal levada uh archbishop of, of san francisco then constituted the um uh prefect for the congregation of the doctrine of the faith right the c uh uh the cdc oddly enough so um and uh, who who basically called into question the whole idea of the limbo of the infants anyway. You know, who who said that there is real hope that all such infants who die without baptism go to heaven anyway. So they called that into question, which is essentially to tell everybody, you don't have to believe in this anymore. Um, But uh, in any case, so, you know, Father Pavone is kind of caught up in the Novus web, unfortunately. And um, I'm sure he's been a thorn in their side all this time because he has not compromised on the abortion issue at all. And um, they are basically hand in glove with the world that Father Pavone condemns uh, in no uncertain terms. Uh, Did he blaspheme? That's what they accuse him of. Well, I, I understand he's accused of having blasphemed, taking God's name in vain, uh, actually saying the words that, you know, invoking God to condemn someone uh, to the fires of hell. <clears throat> I understand that his intended victim was no less than uh, President Biden. Uh, now, if that's in fact the case, and, and I you know, don't trust the media or the church official, officials to get this right and to be truthful, but if it is true uh, that he did that, that would be a horrible thing to do. It would be public mass blasphemy. I didn't know there was a special category of uh, speaking blasphemously on, on social media. <laughs> that evidently, is a new Novus Ordo category of crime. <laughs> yeah. uh, demanding um, laicization, I guess. But then you see the terrible scandals that have been going on with the nova Ordo clergy for all these years. Right to today, this Father J- so-called James Martin, so-called Father James Martin, the LGBTQIA plus advocate. He was a, a visitor of, uh, to the Vatican with Francis. And he's, he's all, uh, Francis even held him up as a model of the priest today. And uh, just as, uh, you know, in, in previous years, uh, Teilhard de Chardin was held up as a model by the Novus Ordo, right? That's a far cry from St. John Vianney. And the church, the Catholic church, holds up as the model for the priest. Um... And so uh, you know, here we have, you have uh, James Martin, the so-called Jesuit, so-called Father Priest, so-called. who was in good standing with Francis, and he's one of Francis's big buddies, publicly. So, and um, you know, he's advocating all kinds of immorality. Um, and uh, he's okay, you know, and a priest like Father Pavone is uh, is um, basically, they say, canceled as a priest. But, uh, you know, again, you think the, the Novus is cancelling the priesthood anyway. Uh, and Father Pavon really should not uh, look there for, to find the faith that he believes in, evidently. But in any case, uh, then you have this Father, uh, what's his name, uh, Ivan Rupnik, Rupnik, and um, a Slovenian uh, who's now accused of having abused nuns and then absolving them. accomplices in his own crime of turpitude. That's automatic excommunication, traditionally speaking. He was excommunicated in 2019. I was told that almost immediately that excommunication was lifted by none other than Francis himself, but I haven't seen the evidence for that. It might be true. But, uh, you know, I mean, he hasn't undergone this uh, uh, defrocking, I mean e- even if somebody's a, a priest is excommunicated that doesn't necessarily laicize him and yeah. uh, that's like the extreme punishment you know to be to be laicized as a priest so um, this is uh this is pretty ugly you know it, it is it should be embarrassing to francis but it's not because it's impossible to embarrass him um, Uh, He laughs, you know, at the things that he... What does St. Paul say? They glory in what they should be ashamed of. They glory in their shame. And Francis glories in his shame. The things that he does that are are compromising to the faith. Compromising to the least. Um, But uh, here's Francis, the all-merciful Francis now, who laicizes this pro-life priest, who has been the leader... In America and probably around the world, his name is recognized as being pro-life, uncompromising pro-life. In the face of all of Francis's bishops, who at, at most can eke out some kind of a feeble protest, but this priest has been roaring for years now since the year, well, since he was ordained eighty-eight, nineteen ninety. He uh, uh, I don't know. He, he started priest for life, I think, the year after he was ordained in 1989. Uh, he was ordained in '88, started priest for life in 1989, I believe, and has been going strong ever since. Um, and Francis, the, the all-merciful Francis, allegedly, without even you know notifying Father uh, Pavone, uh, laicizes him without appeal. without appeal. No possibility.: No possibility appeal. of appeal. I mean, this is pretty, even according to, you know, Novus Ordo standards, this is pretty outrageous. Yeah. But I would hope that, Fr- that Father Pavone and his supporters will realize what they're dealing with. They're dealing with modernists. They're dealing with the new order. Uh, they're dealing with the world, uh, which hates Christ. And uh, every vestige of anything truly Christian, truly Catholic, has to be uh, uh, suppressed Annihilated, obliterated from the Novasoro. Francis's own motto should be that of Voltaire: "Écrasez e l'enfant," right? Crush the wretched thing, the traditional Catholic Church, because everything he does is geared to do that. Anyway, if I can just um, tell you uh, about this letter that the uh, Apostolic Nuncio of the Novosorto, uh sent to Archbishop. Well, his name is Archbishop Christophe Pierre. Okay and he sent a letter to the Novus Ordo bishops of America to explain why Father Pavone was cancelled, or was laicized. This is from an article in LifeSite News, which is carrying this pretty extensively. Um, An article by Mr. Kennedy Hall. It says, uh, the letter was written by Apostolic Nuncio to the United States Archbishop Christophe Pierre, who wrote, I have been informed by the Prefect of the Dicastery of the Clergy, that on 9 November 2022, a supreme deci- a supreme decision admitting no possibility of appeal directed that Reverend Frank Pavone be dismissed from the clerical state. The letter noted that Father Pavone was a very public and high-profile figure associated with the Right to Life movement in the United States. And that, quote, his dismissal from the clerical state may therefore be a matter of interest among the faithful. (laughs) Well, that's another statement. In fact, I know that something is very much a hot hot spot in the news when I begin receiving text message notifications and links from, you know, people all over, even all over the country, saying, but you're aware this was happening. So, believe me, uh, I'm, I'm made aware, very very. But I think many of our own viewers probably are among those who keep me aware of these things. Anyway, it says Pierre attached a statement regarding Pavone's dismissal. This is the statement: Reverend Frank Pavone, the founder of the organization Priests for Life Incorporated, was dismissed from the clerical state by the Holy See on nine November two thousand twenty-two. This action was taken after Father Pavone was found guilty in canonical proceedings of blasphemous communications on social media, and of persistent disobedience of the lawful instructions of his diocesan bishop, Father Pavone was given ample opportunity to defend himself in the canonical proceedings, and he was also given multiple opportunities to submit himself to the authority of his diocesan bishop. It was determined that Father Pavone had no reasonable justification for his actions. Since Priests for Life Incorporated is not a Catholic organization, Mr. Pavone's continuing role in it as a lay person would be entirely up to the leadership of that organization. So, <laughs> somewhere along the line, they totally disowned the Priests for Life, too. So, in any case, uh, this was the brief letter that the Apostolic Nuncio of the New Order uh, sent to the New Order hierarchy here in the United States. And uh, we have here, also from LifeSite News, as I say, they have a lot of very good information about this, uh, an article by Raymond Wolfe, uh, uh, headlined, Father Pavone's laicization came from Pope Francis himself, according to a canon lawyer they're, uh, they're citing here, which uh, would not be surprising. I mean, uh, you know, the same... Francis, who's trying to crush the traditional mass, is trying to trush, crush the traditional faith. And so someone like Father Pavone, who's outspoken about the traditional Catholic faith in this, even this particular area, and the pro-life issue, is also um, to, a target, to be targeted for question them. And uh, Kennedy Hall has another article entitled, Father Pavone's Questionable Laicization Reeks of illegality, so he's questioning how lawful it is, which again is interesting considering they're saying it comes direct from Francis, uh, to say that Francis is engaged in uh, illegal activity (laughs) in suppressing the faith, I'd say that would be quite an understatement. Uh, Anyway, there there are a number of other, uh, there's a lot of, Information on, uh, perhaps also misinformation, on the uh, me- media right now <coughs> regarding this. I would just recommend, please, that people pray for Father Pavone. I'd like to find, uh, like him, uh, if he does in fact have the traditional Catholic faith, as he appears to. Uh, although he appears to have the the new order looseness about things that he will say and do at times. Uh, even to express his outrage at abortion but i understand that i can appreciate that the fact that he is very passionate about it and uh i i'm you know i I could not say or do some of the things he said or done and could not endorse them but the fact is there's no doubt in my mind that he's saying and doing these things because he feels um just the outrage uh, at the outrage of god toward these things yeah and uh, is grieving also because of the fact that uh, our lord jesus christ and his sacred heart are so terribly offended by these evil things Hmm. um so anyway pray for him that he find his way to uh not only believing the traditional catholic faith which i'd like to think he believes but to practicing it and The fact that he was ordained in nineteen eighty-eight. Well, I'd like to see him conditionally ordained in the traditional rite by a true traditional bishop, Uh, and um, really begin practicing the traditional Catholic faith in its integrity. um, Because as long as he's with the novus ordo, even now as a layman, he's going to be uh, in in enemy territory. You know, he's going to be like a uh, missing an action and perhaps a uh, prisoner of war <laughs> by being part of the Nova Sordo.
1: Father, what what do you expect um, that to, to come of this? Father Pavon says that he uh, plans to, to take legal action against this. Not exactly sure what, what he can do if, as they say, this came from Francis himself. Um, but, you know, as, as I said, there, there are so many conservative nova Ordo types who are just absolutely shocked by this they're starting le- these petitions um to, to petition francis the holy see to uh to reverse this decision um do you think can you see anything much good coming from this father do you think that perhaps that could be those
0: really, i think people are kind of living in a certain fantasy land here but I, I come from a generation whose parents were trying to fight against the changes in their parishes back in the 1960s <laughs> and they found with the conservative priests back then that they were steamrolled right over that the modern bishops who had come from back who had come back from Vatican 2 uh, had an agenda and uh, anybody who stood in their way uh, laymen or or clergy were just steamrolled out of the way uh, Father Pavone is just, just a latest example of someone, the Novus Ordo even, even turns against its own. When even one of the Novus priests, you know, stands for, up for the faith, uh, he cannot be tolerated. Back in our day, I mean, we had priests who saw the changes coming in, saw they were evil, tried to resist them, but they were swept away. They were retired early. They were remo- removed from positions. They were put in nursing homes. Uh, basically consigned to psychological um, uh, pits uh, dungeons and uh, there they just kind of wasted away and died uh, of grief I think in many cases so this is not a new this is not a new tactic of the new order this is just the the old way this is the way they were originally doing things um, it was only after Archbishop had consecrated bishops, traditional bishops, that John Paul II said, well, we have to reverse course here and, and allow a Latin Mass to be available under our control. Uh, but it was purely a tactic. It was merely a, a, a tactic. And it wasn't out of any devotion to the, the Mass, the real Mass. And now Francis is determined uh, to uh, crush even that, mm-hmm. to go back to those days when I was ordained, when the the mass was banned, and you could not you know when, when nuns were uh, throwing off their habits and, and marching against nuclear power, uh, when Jesuit priests, the barragan brothers were attacking nuclear war, you know <laughs> uh, uh, nuclear weapons and so on and so forth, when that was the, the order of the day, um, so this is where Francis wants to go. He wants to finish Vatican II which means he wants to finish the church, mm-hmm. essentially. And uh, Father Pavone is just one one name of many, 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 many thousands who've uh, been, they're trying to crush. Yeah. Um, I just uh, hope everyone who is upset about this, concerned about it, um, number one, uh, praise for, for Father, well, I, I hope those who are upset about it understand why it's happening, understand why they're upset about it, because their faith tells them one thing, and the New Order, Francis and his crowd, the LGBTQ crowd, all reject what they believe and espouse something new and radically different and opposed to the traditional Catholic faith. And I would hope everybody who's offended by what Francis has done here and his dicastery at the CDC, I would hope that they'd realize they have a different faith. They don't have the faith that I have. They don't represent the, the Catholic faith that I that I believe in. But I hope they they'd come to realize that. And uh, then realize they are the enemies of the faith that I hold dear. And uh, that they would then look to find their way back to practicing the true traditional Catholic faith. And I would hope that doing that themselves, they would also pray for Father Pallone that he does the same. So, uh, got to find his way through this, because graces are being given.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: I hope they're being received, too.
1: Yeah. Well, we will definitely continue to pray for him and uh, see where this goes. But, um, mm-hmm. okay, well, <clears throat> something else we wanted to touch on, Father, uh, you know, this um, so-called Respect for Marriage Act um, oh, just recently, yeah. recently passed in, in the United right. States, was recently signed into law. And uh, just two days after that, um, Donald Trump hosted a gala for homosexual Republicans at his Mar-a-Lago estate. And he he was joined by this um, this uh, log log cabin Republican group. These these uh, LGBT um, Republicans um, pushing for so called gay rights, um, especially within the uh, the Republican Party. Um, Did you find it concerning at all, Father, that uh, something like this this blatantly pro LGBT uh, whatever um, event would be hosted at, at Tom, I think, you, I think you
0: said it well when you said earlier that uh, not in the show but you said that this is why these these Republicans are not going to they're not going to win. They're going to fail miserably and they simply cannot prevail with the this approach they have to compromise and even more than compromise they're falling all over themselves to be. Uh, lavish in their praise of perversion and the very things that are destroying our nation yeah. and that are attacking our church. Francis, with his LGBTQ crowd, I mean, it's the LGBTQ crowd that are really um, well. They're they're actually taking over the world. They're taking over the places of power, and uh, they are going to. R- r- they have an agenda, and they're going to ram it down everybody's throats and uh, through the Vatican. Um, and uh, through Washington, and uh, and the Republicans are right there with him every step of the way. But what did Trump say? Uh, we are fighting for the gay community, and we are fighting and fighting hard," said Trump at a gala with the log cabin Republicans and a slate of pro homosexual Rhino speakers. Right. <laughs> And you might be surprised, people might be surprised. Again, I'm, I'm referencing uh, some reports by LifeSite News out of Canada. They're really good. Uh, they have some excellent reports. And they don't shy away, away from telling the truth. So, uh, you know, as you say, they... The, the Trump hosts this gala for homosexual Republicans at Mar-a-Lago after Biden signs the same-sex marriage law. Okay? So this is like a double insult. Yeah. The, the Democrats have presented our Lord with a birthday present here for Christmas of this Respect for Marriage Act, which is exactly the opposite. Of yeah. course, you know, it's, it's a blatant lie, but this is what they do. Um, they would gag on telling the truth. The truth would gag them. If they had to tell you the truth about anything, it's, it's almost as though they, they would they would have trouble getting getting it out. Uh, lying is a way of life, it's their very existence, it's in their DNA. So when they call it the Respect for Marriage Act, it is not respect for marriage at all. Yeah, it actually uh, does exactly the opposite. It wants to enshrine homosexual uh, marriage, so-called, <laughs> in America, and crush anybody, any voice that would dissent. That's the horrible thing about this. This so-called act, which has now been signed into law, having been um, approved by both houses houses of legislature with the approval of quite a number of Republican rhinos supporting it, too. And, uh, you know, in giving these rights now by federal law, that imposes an obligation on you and me to respect these rights, to go along with them and to actually not oppose them. If we do, if we speak out against them, we are going to be found in violation of that law, of that act that has been approved, and we are subject to penalties now because we oppose this. And um, so, you know, it says here, just two days after Joe Biden signed the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, RMA, into law, LGBT Republicans celebrated its enactment at a gala event at Donald Trump's mar a lago Resort Home hosted by the former president himself. Trump was joined by Arizona's 2022 GOP gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake and an array of high-profile gay cons, homosexual conservatives, including former director of national intelligence Rick Grenell, a Trump appointee, and a frequent Tucker Carlson guest commentator, Chadwick Moore, okay? And they talk about various other people who took part in this in presenting these awards. Uh, last year's recipient was former First Lady Melania Trump, okay? That tells you something right there, right? And she received the Spirit of Lincoln Award from the Log Cabin Republicans, okay? who were dedicated to homosexuality. This is the big thing. And uh, there's a picture of uh, Carry Lake surrounded by homosexual supporters and holding Rick Grinnell. And, uh, I mean, the whole thing is just a, a gay fest. It's just a celebration of homosexuality, right? Not so much conservatism, political conservative, but homosexuality. And that's what, that's what this is all about. There's even a quote here from Politico regarding Kerry Lake. It says, according to Politico, Carrie Lake employed foul language to address the crowd, saying, and I can't read what she said because it's too, it's too obscene. She says, we just had such a huge movement going into election day to watch these people, these evil, these evil blanks. Can I say that here, question mark, to watch them steal this election in broad daylight and if they think they're going to get away with it, they messed with the wrong B-word there. That's what she says. And this is our side. right? This is the best we have. And this is how she talks. And she talks like one of them. And I don't care what her politics are uh, with regard to that. She is one of them, really, deep down. She must be one of them to talk like them. Because no decent lady would do that. Okay? So I'm sorry, but uh, I want nothing to do with this. You know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I don't trust her anymore to do the right thing. If this is if this is what she sets as an example of, where where we expect her to be, even on the, the on the on the uh, Respect for Marriage Act, yeah. we're celebrating it. We're having a a big uh, gala festival in honor of it two days after it was signed into law by Biden. I'm sorry. Uh, we've got to stop falling for this, okay? No matter how how what, what a good game they play, we've got to stop falling for this same charade over and over again of these people, get our support, get in power, and then betray us and everything we stand for, everything we hope for and everything we believe in. So uh, we we have to uncompromisingly uh, vote for those, choose those, in whom we, we have absolute confidence and we know that they are going to send with us, not just suspect or hope they do. Too often people go ahead and they say, well she sounds good and you know, we hope that she stands for it or we hope that he stands up for it and time and time again you know, we are stabbed in the back uh, by, by these rhinos I think they're more dangerous than the, le- the, the, the extreme leftists. The rhinos are the reason why this is happening right now. Because every time they were, they were, a rhino was put in place uh, to oppose this, the rhino has turned on us and has proven that uh, they are the most treacherous of all. Right, and They're the ones who are actually letting this happen, making it possible for this to happen. So uh believe me, if, if every every one of these uh, persons who had been erected, elected by conservatives had been true conservatives and stood their ground, this would not be happening right now. It was the betrayal of the rhinos that is doing this to this over over and over and over again, right up to Mitch McConnell himself uh, and his allies right so and it's just amazing to me that Trump now says that uh, what's his name uh, Mc, Mc, uh, the, the speaker, speaker of the House, right? Is that what they're talking about? What's his name? Um, I know. Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy? McCarthy. McCarthy, I guess. and, and I mean, he's, he's a rhino, and Trump, yeah. and there's a movement to try to uh, replace him with somebody stronger, yeah. and Trump tells everyone to stand down, and he supports McCarthy. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, but I, I'm just... Uh, I, I think it's time that we faced reality here, that we're not being well served um, by turncoats. Yeah. In any case, um, this is the kind of thing that's going on now, and uh, we received a communication from the Alliance Defending Freedom, you might be familiar with that, quite a number of our, of our viewers might be familiar with the Alliance Defending Freedom, a consortium of attorneys who are trying to fight the good fight within the courts and resist the uh, leftist um, destruction of our country and the uh, basically disintegration of our society (laughs) and um, the denial of our Constitution, our constitutional rights. Uh, The Alliance for Defending Freedom actually uh, issued a statement here, which is for pastors, and it's interesting. It says last week, President Joe Biden signed into law the misnamed Respect for Marriage Act, RFMA, which, among other things, repealed the Federal Defense of Marriage Act and enshrined same-sex marriage into federal law. The law expands not only what marriage means in the law, but also who can be sued for disagreeing with its new meaning. So they're redefining marriage, and then they outline who can be sued for disagreeing with their new definition. The newly enacted law also opens the door to litigation against those who disagree with the new definition. They ask, "How did we get there?" Here, and they explain that after the Supreme Court ruled on Dobbs versus Jackson the Women's Health Organization, which effectively overturned Roe versus Wade, right, that the abortionists and the homosexuals were fearing that this would begin a rollback of abortion rights and homosexual rights, which are nothing but abortion tyranny and homosexual tyranny. Uh, So they thought they might start losing ground. So they began getting very active to try to enshrine in state laws. Even here in Ohio now, we we find they're, they're desperately trying to get into state law enshrining abortion as a right according to the Constitution. In the, in Kentucky, they had a, uh, a, an amendment that was voted on by the populace in Kentucky that would have uh, stated, added to the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Kentucky that the Constitution does not enshrine a right to an abortion. That did not pass. Whether it was an honest vote, who knows anymore? With Soros money involved, who knows anymore? With... Uh, Zuckerberg money involved who knows anymore what vote is legitimate or not. If it was a le- if it was not a legitimate vote and we're allowing our, our ballots to be basically stolen, our elections to be stolen, and we're not doing anything about it, shame on us. If it was a legitimate vote and the majority of Kentuckians who voted voted down the amendment and refused to, um, you know, rule out Abortion as a right granted by the Kentucky <coughs> uh, Constitution. <coughs> then, if that really is what the majority of Kentuckians stand for, that's really even worse. So, no matter how you slice it, it's a problem. But the um, the Alliance Defending Freedom says that the pro-abortionists got to work right away, and they began pressing, pressing, pressing for legal um, support for abortion and. A homosexual power um the alliance defending freedom the adf asks, what threats does the respect for marriage act create and they list here uh there are no real protections for religious individuals or organizations now because if you if you uh, uh, do not agree with their new definition of marriage and you do not agree um with the the so-called rights that this law bestows and the also consequent obligations on us to respect those rights and to empower those rights then we are subject to prosecution we can be sued for that secondly they say the law leaves religious social service organizations vulnerable so if you're a social service organization that has religious principles that oppose this um, homosexual marriage so-called um, then you are vulnerable. You are, you are also targeted uh, by that law and subject to prosecution. You could be called a criminal uh, or you could be subject to paying fines and, you know, having um, in, in civil suits. Uh, it says also from the AGF, the RFMA fails to address concerns over nonprofits' tax-exempt status. So this could allow the the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, with its eighty seven thousand new armed uh, agents, to actually come after you and charge anything with a an, uh, tax exempt status uh, like a five hundred one c three, and uh, charge you with uh, dif- disobeying the law and uh, violating the terms of your tax exempt status. And not only could you lose it, but retroactively, you could be fined enormous amounts of money. Or um, from, from perhaps the time that they found they determined that you, you uh, forfeited your tax exempt status because you broke their law. Um, now, they do say here, the ADF does say that there is some provision for churches themselves not being prosecuted, not being forced <laughs> to go along with this. Um, I mean, you know, you realize what's behind all this, what this encompasses. Um, you know, people showing up, and, and Bob and Larry, at, at, at the door of the church and saying, or the day of the rectory saying, we want to get married here. And you say, well, I'm sorry, you can't, you know, you can't get married here. If it's determined that they can't get married there because they're Bob and Larry, uh, then, I mean, you could be subject to all kinds of civil penalties, criminal prosecution, denying their civil rights, and so on. Um, but, I mean, suppose it's Bob and Larry who was one time Petunia, you know, now you've got that aspect uh, to, to think about, too. What's going to come through the door of your rectory? Demanding their rights. And waving the RFMA or the RMA in your face and say, look, we have our rights now, and you're in violations of our civil rights, and you're not only subject to being penalized by it and fined for it uh, and shut down for it, but you could wind up in jail over this. Um, uh, you know... <laughs> I know Father Pavone was not talking about this, but I can understand why, you know, he was talking about abortion, which is obviously part and parcel to this whole travesty and attack on marriage, but you can understand why he would be so upset, to say the least. So uh, I appreciate the information from the ADF. They actually give a certain amount of uh, advice on how to protect the churches against this, um, the so-called law of the so-called administration of the so-called um, political party. But in any case, uh, there's a serious problem. About, and there's a serious danger represented here. So, um, you know, are you going to be running afoul of the IRS or even the FBI? Be coming after you now? That's a that's a serious question. A real danger. So we have to pray about this, certainly. We should be praying more and definitely praying the rosary. should be offering sacrifices to Almighty God over all of this. But I think also we have to be getting to the point where we are um, not going to go quietly and meekly into that dark night, that dark winter of Biden where he wants to send us all. You know, you look at Britain and you see what they're doing. Uh, you, you see a woman was standing silently praying to herself within one of these protected zones around an abortion clinic, so-called abortion uh, chamber. She was silently praying. Someone saw her, suspected she was praying to herself in her own mind, and reported to her to the police who arrested the woman. They, they, they accosted her, they searched her, They charged her with praying in her own mind. Mental prayer within this zone. And they they arrested her for this. The thought police. That's what it's coming to. And uh, I would say the reason why the police in England are doing that now is because the Englishmen have not prevented that from happening. Um, They've not stood up to this. And um, that But then again, are there any Englishmen left? Are there any Englishmen left in England anymore? I don't know. I don't know what's left there, right? I mean, who is running this show over there? Who's running this regime over there? Uh, we might ask the same thing here. Who is actually calling the shots over here? We're turning into China, right, with the social credit system here. Um, so... Um, no wonder people are asking the question: Okay, who is really the power behind the scenes? Uh, of which um, you know the the figures we see are are nothing but uh, stooges, players. Um, well, Tom, this is not actually actually good news or happiness, and yet in a way it is. Uh, in a way, it does kind of apply to Abbot. Why? Well, because Advent is a time of looking back at Christ's first coming, but it's also simultaneously no less a time of looking forward to his return. In power, majesty, to judge all of this. As you know, last Saturday we had the Ember Saturday in Advent. We had the series of prophecies from the Old Testament, Isaiah and Daniel and so on. And then when the actual epistle arrived, it was second it was from the second epistle of Saint Paul to Thessalonians chapter two, which was about the coming of the Antichrist. And people puzzle over that, people who are aware of it, because not many people attend Mass on Ember Saturday before the fourth Sunday of Advent. They're not necessarily aware. Uh we might have had a good crowd here I wasn't here, but at the church because we had to set up the church decorations and prepare uh, for the coming Feast of the Nativity. Uh, the decorations are up. They remain, remain dark, though, because we don't light them up until, actually, Christmas, Midnight Mass. But, uh, so there might have been a, a goodly number of people there for that. And if they were following their missiles and they saw the epistle, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, they might have been startled to be reading here uh, just a, a, a week before Christmas Eve um, about the coming of the Antichrist. And uh, wondering, well, why why is the church focusing on that now, at a time like this? Well, again, you, you go back to the first Sunday of Advent, right? We're talking about Christ coming at the end of the world to judge. That's where Advent begins. And uh, so we shouldn't be surprised to find this epistle of St. Paul. Very famous, of course, justly so, uh, rightly so. And if you're not aware of it, I ask you to please go to the New Testament, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and read it. It's about the coming of the Antichrist. Is it hopeful? Yes, it is. Uh, actually, we read uh, concerning the Antichrist that this towering, uh, seemingly invincible figure of inconceivable p- power is nothing. That the one the whole world will slavishly bow down before and adore. Um will annihilate itself before, uh, will be blown away by the by the breath from our Lord's own mouth, like a puff of smoke, just, poof, gone, gone, just like a puff of smoke, there's nothing there. Nothing. Like a mirage. And that's very important for us to have that confidence, that such is the power of Christ, that it, it, even the most deceitful, evil and powerful character the world has ever seen will simply be vanquished just like that We're just dismissed. He's nothing. nothing. So um, but this is the promise you know, of, of our faith, and we know that that will happen. And uh, we know that developments like these that we talked about tonight are part of that process, right? Part of that history that leads to that great triumph of our Lord. So the question is not whether our Lord will triumph. We have absolute confidence in that. We have absolute confidence in our lady's words at Fatima. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. Yeah. And the Immaculate Heart of Mary can triumph only where the Sacred Heart of Jesus is triumphant. right? Because her, her queenship depends absolutely entirely on, on, his, on his kingship. So it's actually a, a, an act of faith in the power and the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ to prevail over all of this. we have that. The only question is not whether Christ will prevail. because might be when. We don't have the time of day or the date on the calendar. But more more to the point, where will you be? Where will, where will I be? Where where will we be arraigned? Uh, on whose side will we, will we be? Um, and our faith tells us to have confidence and to stand with our Lord, always, stand with our Lord always. that whatever happens, including all of these evil things, they're, they're proof positive that our faith is true. where they're proof positive that our faith is true, that these things are even happening, because we see what happens when Christ is rejected. And we say, yeah, this is exactly what you'd expect if what we believe is the truth. And that should give us a stronger faith, not a weaker faith. So anyway, I've, I've had uh, quite a monologue here, so uh, I'm gonna turn the floor over you now. As a Catholic father raising a family in this world today and talking about all these things going on right now, how does that affect how you, how you raise your own family, how you, how you raise your own children? Your children are still quite young, but they're very bright, precocious, right? <laughs> Even. Let's say that. So, uh, I'm sure that you are trying to prepare them for, uh, living their Catholic lives, saving their Catholic souls in, the, in a world, in this world. Uh, so, uh, what, what kind of advice would you give?
1: Well, I can't say that I, um, that I follow the news too closely and, and, uh, adjust my, my parenting based on, based on the current events. But, um, I would just say that uh Catholic children need to learn the Catholic faith I <laughs> think if they learn the Catholic faith and learn how to pray then um there's not a whole lot a whole lot to worry about you know that prayer is is the uh is the greatest weapon that we have so just teaching your children how to pray I think is uh probably the one of the very very best possible things that you can do so that will give them the ammunition they need to uh to overcome this all of this evil so
0: and your example is the most important yes. tool on doing that right
1: yes, yes, absolutely, yeah, praying yes. with your children I think, very important yes. we um we had lots actually believe it or not, other uh current events that we that we wanted to talk about, father, maybe we can touch on those next time, but uh we also um wanted in a more positive light to, to uh in, in referencing the um so called respect for Marriage Act, we wanted to give a, a real Catholic perspective on on marriage and the uh, the catholic case for marriage and against divorce and against other um other attacks on, on real catholic marriage so perhaps mm-hmm. we can do that in a in a future well, program we'll take soon, a few but... minutes
0: here just to give a little prelude you know okay. to that right <laughs> but uh, truly catholics need to know what marriage really is know. Right? It, it's it's sad to see so many people who went through the new order and were married but never really had any honest to goodness catholic preparation for marriage okay. um um, a, a traditional Catholic priests I know actually personally meet with couples and actually go through the Catholic understanding of marriage <laughs> not only go through the marriage manual but even go through uh, like uh, the, the Catholic moral theology manual itself with regard to the meaning of marriage you know that, that marriage is a, uh, is a natural institution it's, it's the first institution, it's the first society created by God Uh, When God created Adam and Eve, male and female, and joined them together with the great mission, increase, build the world, give me life, right? Give life. And he gave them the power, essentially, to determine who would ever live. Excuse me. After creating them as he did, he would never again create another human being the way he created them. Even his own son, uh, when he came into the world, would come through a woman, right? Would be born of a woman. Uh, So God gave us this great natural institution, which has two purposes, essential purposes. The first is giving life and nurturing that life. And the second is the mutual support, of the husband and the wife together, the spouses caring for each other. And um, the Church refers to that as the bonum prolis, the good of offspring, and the bonum fide, the good of faith or fidelity to each other. And uh, But our Lord Jesus Christ uh, took that natural institution of marriage and uh, raised it to the level of a sacrament. He made it something supernatural. He gave it a supernatural power, gave it a supernatural significance. And so when, when, a, when Christians were baptized validly, when they are joined in marriage, it's not just marriage. It can't be. It's a sacrament, necessarily. And that sacrament we know as matrimony. And St. Paul tells us in in his Epistle to the Ephesians that in that sacrament, the love of the husband and the wife is meant to mirror the love between our Lord Jesus Christ and the Church itself, and His Church, His saints, essentially, and His saints. So it it has this everlasting significance of our Lord in heaven, triumphant, and joined with this tremendous bond of love, with the communion of saints, as as it were an extension of his own body, his mystical body. You know? And so when we talk about, in marriage, uh, the two becoming one flesh, right? We see how that was carried over into the spiritual and supernatural level by our Lord in instituting the sacrament of matrimony. And how sacred that is. Uh, that also helps us to realize that what is contrary to the sanctity of the marriage bond, even, even the natural institution, is a crime called adultery. And how evil it is. Even in the Old Testament, before our Lord gave us the sacrament of matrimony, our Lord referred to the apostasy of the Jewish people in going along with embracing pagan practices. Even, even uh, the sacrifice of children. To pagan, pagan so-called gods and goddesses, that that God referred to that as adultery, as though it was adultery against Him. So that gives you an idea about the 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 seriousness of the marriage vows, and how they must be made seriously and held seriously by those who actually have that vocation. It is a vocation, actually, to give life and to nurture life. So the. um, The idea of adultery even against the natural institution of marriage is a very serious crime before God. So you can imagine what the sin of adultery is against the sacrament of matrimony when the love between the husband and wife actually has a supernatural significance of representing the love between God and his his saints in eternity. Um, So we realize why God considers adultery such a a horrible such a heinous crime and why he considers the holy wedlock of a husband and a wife loving each other as they should giving life not only to like their families giving life to their children but giving this life to god presenting this life to almighty god and then Taking good care of each other and being united with each other in this bond of mutual charity, we can see why God finds that so beautiful and so holy because it is according to His wishes and according to His designs. It is like a little bit of heaven. You can understand why so many of the parables our Lord told in the Gospel about the kingdom of heaven are actually set in the marriage feast. Our Lord refers to the marriage feast, the kingdom of heaven. Is like a marriage feast. So many times our Lord says that to us. That's what it is meant to be. That's how we're meant to understand it, as far as we can here on earth. You know, even Saint Paul in in First Corinthians chapter two nineteen. I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter two verse nine says, as you know. No human ear has heard, nor has eye seen, nor has it entered into the mind of man things the things that God has prepared for those who love Him, and yet. In the Gospel, when our Lord wants us to give a sense of what heaven is like, he, he refers to the marriage, the wedding feast, the wedding feast, over and over again. And that's what it's meant to be. It's meant to be holy. It's meant to be like this supreme uh, representation of love, um, even his own, even his own divine love. And uh, it, it is really something holy in the sacrament. So certainly Christians who marry, those who are validly baptized, should consider the the seriousness of what they're doing, the holiness of what they're entering into, and how the obligation is incumbent upon them to lead holy lives within the sacrament of matrimony. And as you say, to teach the children how to pray and to make the children holy, nurture them not only physically, but nurture their souls, right? Right. That's what it's really all about, for heaven, for everlasting life. Well, we can talk about this a bit more. Um, we can talk about the Catholic understanding of, of true marriage and the sacrament of matrimony. Um, and why the perversions that we're seeing now are so horrific in this life and before God in heaven. Um You've heard the expression corruptio optimi pessima." The corruption of the best thing is the worst corruption of all, right? Well, you can see why the devil would go after this, the sacrament of matrimony, and want to uh, to make a mockery of it because of what it represents, because of how our Lord held it up in the Gospel, right, uh, for our admiration. So uh, we, we above all people, should hold it as something sacred, as a as a s- divine, sub- sublime vocation. And uh, first of all, prepare ourselves where for it, well for it, and be prepared to live it by the grace of God. So anyway, you as a married man, you know this. That's right. And your noble wife certainly knows it too. With it That's all, true. you know. Catholic gentlemen understood this before they married and certainly honored it in their marriage, too.
1: Yep. Well, thank you, Father. I appreciate everything, and God bless you.
0: And uh, we have the example of our Lord, uh, the child of Mary and uh, foster father Joseph, right? Yep. The Holy Family, so it's a good time to be talking about this particular subject. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tom. God bless you, and I wish you and all of our viewers a very blessed Christmas. I don't know that we'll have a program uh, next week, um, but uh, we'll see. Anyway, God provides. In any case, uh, so we're wishing all everyone not only a blessed Christmas season lasting all the way to February 2nd, but also we're wishing a very blessed coming year too.
1: Yep, absolutely. Thanks to all of our viewers for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe.